You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Constant theme running through this podcast is the utter madness of the normal mind. According to lots of research in lots of different places, Harvard is the one that springs to mind, but this research is is global. The vast majority of people, and by that I mean in the high 90%, are not in control of their own state of mind. In other words, their mind controls them rather than the other way around. And on the basis that at least we survive because we're built to survive, we're wired to survive, our brains are designed for survival, you might think to yourself that, well, that's not really a bad thing. I mean, most people are going about their daily lives uh, and not falling over, dropping dead. But surely life isn't about that at all. Life is about actually living your life to the full. The big problem with people not being in control of their own mind is that in that state of mind, the mind operates automatically. It operates automatically using what cognitive psychology has called for years, the automatic pilot. And the automatic pilot, like any automatic pilot, needs programs on which to run. If you were flying an aircraft, you said to yourself, I want to fly from Paris to New York, to JFK in New York. Your automatic pilot in that plane would have a set of programs that would modulate the flight, ensure that you are at the right altitude, the right heading, and that you're dealing with all the various different things that can happen along the way on a flight like that, and that you get to your destination. And if you constantly take off from Paris with the same set of programs, you'll always land in JFK in New York. And this is the problem with the normal mind. The normal mind is constantly using the same programs. And therefore, every day is like every other day. As a result of which, we become addicted to the programs that we have in our own mind. We become wedded to them. We actually think that they are who we are. I need to explain that, obviously. And that's what I want to get to the bottom of in this particular episode. This episode is about obsession and addiction. Consider the madness of this, because this addiction leads us to get up every day, run the same programs, behave the same way, do exactly the same things, and expect new things to happen. (laughs) It's madness that you keep doing the same thing, expect a different result. I mean, come on. Particularly when you think about the manner in which cognitive psychology has known since the 1930s that we always perceive and achieve according to our expectations. Our expectations are those obsessions, those addictions, the thoughts to which we have become addicted. The normal mind is addicted to an awful lot of stuff. Uh, It is obsessed with an awful lot of stuff. It's obsessed, for example, with approval. 
Anthony DeMello calls uh, uh, approval a drug, and it's something that we are reared on as very young children. We need a little pat on the back. We need to be liked. We need to get what we want. We need to know that we're doing well. We need other people to approve of us. And you see, once you're brought up that way, particularly in the third year of your life, you get used to being addicted to this drug of approval. But it's worse than that. Because during the third year of our lives, we learn how to make our way in the world. We learn how to get on with other people. We learn how to ensure that we can communicate in a way that we do get what we want out of now and out of life. In doing that, we learn things about ourselves. We don't learn things about ourselves on the basis of what we achieve. We learn things about ourselves on the basis of little events that leave an impression on our little minds. And by little, I mean childlike at that moment in time. Our minds are very powerful when we're three years old. In fact, perhaps it could be said that because we are completely present in the here and now, learning so much as we go as three-year-olds, that we are at the height of our psychological powers when we are that age. But the key thing is that our learning takes place on the basis of events, as I said a moment ago, that make and leave an impression. The way in which our minds are built, the way in which evolution evolved our brain, ensures that we will always take negative impressions in preference to positive impressions. Why? Because losing makes you learn more. You, know, you, you don't learn as much from winning all the time as you do from losing. It is a self-defense mechanism, bearing in mind that the brain is actually designed for survival and little else, to be quite honest. It's desi designed for survival. So we actually take what psychology calls psychological snapshots of things that were done for us, but mainly to us, in particular in the third year of our lives. That means that we form a, an incorrect impression of ourselves, a skewed impression of ourselves. I was talking to a client yesterday and we were talking about how people can lose the plot as adults. And she made the point to me that sometimes when I lose the plot as an adult, I realize it's just the two or three-year-old me having a little temper tantrum. The point she was making was that as adults, we run those thoughts and programs that we learned when we were two or three. And we are, when we lose the plot as adults, we are actually acting out as if we were two-year-olds. Between the second and third year of our lives, we actually take enough of these psychological snapshots to form an album that becomes our manual for living. In effect, it actually becomes the programs that our automatic pilot uses. And the key problem with that, coming back to the obsession with approval that I mentioned a moment ago, is that you form an impression of yourself that is less than what you actually are. You form a damaged conceptual self. You form a, an impression of somebody who has all these flaws, perceived inadequacies. You form an impression of yourself that of a person who has perceived adequacies as well, obviously. But the fact is that these are all perceptions based on stuff that happened to you many years ago. And therefore, as adults, we like to be liked. We like to be respected. 
We don't like to be disrespected. We don't like to be ignored. We like to be loved. We like to be liked. It's nice to be liked. We actually like to be approved of fundamentally because we don't fully approve of ourselves. Now, we need to get over that. We need to get over that addiction or obsession. And, and really, you know, that is what I want to ensure that you get out of this particular episode. This, this episode is very, very important because in less than 30 minutes, I'm going to enable you get over your addiction to approval, your obsession with approval. I'm also going to enable you get over one of humanity's greatest obsessions, or at least an obsession of most people in the developed world, people in poorer countries, people who don't have adequate drinking water, for example, they're not necessarily obsessed to the same extent as people on Wall Street are with money. Money, the root of all evil. I'm going to correct that fallacy in a minute too. It's horrible how people actually put the financial cart before the horse of life and then expect everything to roll effortlessly downhill into the life that they would love to have. It is horrible when I hear people who have millions of dollars in their bank account. I don't mean millions of dollars worth of shares. Some of the people I've spoken to, one person in particular, had $25 million in his bank account when I met him first. And I asked him in our initial conversation, what were the key things that he wanted out of life? He said, I really only want one key thing. I have one key goal or objective in my life, and that is to have financial security. I apologized to him and told him that if he was stuck in that particular state of mind, I couldn't help him. And if he didn't want to help himself, I certainly wasn't going to try. The individual in question is not a client. But that, that's a slightly extreme example. I hear this all the time. I talk to people in their 50s, for example, people a little younger than I am, and they're obsessed with having a, a large pension pot, quote unquote, so that they can retire. And I keep saying to them, you don't need a, you don't need a large pension pot. What you need is access to money, access to enough money, enough money so that you can live the life you'd love to live. The really interesting thing about this is that when you stop thinking about money, money flows. I've probably mentioned this before. Forgive me if I have, but it's worth repeating. I got a job to turn around a bank in 1990. It was a failed bank. It was a bankrupt bank. And I, after a few months, produced to the board a strategic plan that would transform that bank into a profitable bank so that its owners could sell it. The board was horrified that there were no financial projections in that strategic plan. And I explained to them as an accountant that if they did the things in that strategic plan, if they did the right things, the money would look after itself. Within a couple of years, the bank was extremely profitable, one of the most profitable banks in Europe. But listen to what I've just said. If you do the right things, money looks after itself. Now, I've seen this 
with a lot of my business clients again and again and again over the last 25 years. People who are obsessed with their financial projections, not meeting their financial projections. People who are obsessed with budgets and targets, struggling with their budgets and not meeting their targets. I have seen people saying to themselves, well, this is the kind of life I want to live and this is the kind of business I want to have and this is how that business fits into the kind of life that I want to live. And lo and behold, money flows and money just doesn't flow on the basis of what you might project because projecting finances is a, a normal crazy thing it's something that is done by the logical thinking mind we're not talking about using the logical thinking mind here at all we're talking about using the real you the inner you the being mind the doing mind the one that knows what's best for you the one that will lead you to where Everything is wonderful and you don't have a care in the world and you have peace of mind. When you let that mind at it, when you let that part of you at it, when you let the real you at it, and rather than the perceived you with all its flaws that needs approval, when you leave the real you to it, everything flows. And money is just a means of enabling your life flow. It greases the wheels of the life that you would love to have. I also may have mentioned this before, but again, I don't apologize for mentioning it again because it's very important. I've experienced this in my business life. My clients, most of my clients, all of my clients who are in business have experienced this as well. When you stop obsessing about money, in fact, when you actually stop obsessing about getting more business, you become a business magnet stuff actually literally clings to you. Why? Because you've turned up to the here and now free of the obsession with money. And therefore, in turning up to the here and now being more present, you become more attractive. This isn't this isn't some fantasy I'm talking about. Go back to the start of this podcast where I said that the vast majority of people are not in control of their own state of mind. What that actually means in practice is their mind is being run by the automatic pilot. They are not present. The automatic pilot is at the controls. They are not in control. If you turn off the automatic pilot, if you disengage the automatic pilot and come into the here and now and become present, you turn up to your own life. In turning up to the here and now, other people notice you actually have presence. A case in point, I was talking to a client who owned his own business about this a couple of years ago. And I said, if you want the best possible clients that will give you the most possible business, all you need to do is set your mind to achieve that goal and turn up. And he said to me, but hold on, are you telling me if I set a goal that this business is going to boom as a result of getting the kind of clients that I've only ever dreamed of, that that's going to happen? He said, because I can't control those other people to become my clients. I can't go around brainwashing people into being my clients. They are independent people. They make up their own mind. I said, Jim, Jim was the, 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 the guy in question. I said, Jim, you can control nothing in this life except your own state of mind. But when you control your own state of mind, you are present to the extent that you have great influence over everything that is going on. You make the kind of impression that will be attractive to people that you want to attract as clients. He became a client magnet 
a business magnet. I've seen it again and again and again. This is our second big obsession, money. We have it all wrong. And we actually also have it all wrong when we say to ourselves that money is the root of all evil. It's not the root of all evil. Your obsession or addiction with approval, that's not the root of all evil either. It's really simple. The root of all evil is thought. Thinking. Thinking too much. Or in particular, continuously thinking the same thoughts about yourself. We said earlier on that we learn stuff, the key stuff about ourselves or about who we think we are during the third year of our lives. This becomes what psychology calls our stored knowledge, our body of thought, our body of beliefs, the programs that the automatic pilot uses to run our lives. These thoughts rattle around in our head every day, the same thoughts every day. And therefore it becomes not just impossible to change our lives, but it becomes impossible to break our addiction to some of the stuff that I've already talked about, like approval and the need for money and the need for more money. Not, not enough money, more money. All this comes from the thoughts in our own head. All this comes from the feelings of inadequacy that we have in our own head. All this comes from thought. Thought is the root of all evil. Now, do you need to stop thinking? No, you don't need to stop thinking. You need to change how you think, or perhaps more to the point, you need to change how you use your mind. On automatic pilot, everything that is happening in your life is filtered through that body of thought as a result of which you've no idea what's going on. You are carrying around these obsessions with you and you're going to continually and repeatedly do the wrong things and end up in the same place. When you change how you think, when you stop giving your attention to that body of thought, you begin to understand what is going on most importantly, you begin to understand the potential within. And you begin, as a result of that, to behave differently. And when you do things differently, obviously you achieve different outcomes. It's awfully simple. You need to stop feeding the beast. You need to stop giving your attention to the thoughts that are holding you back. You need to get out of your own way. You need to starve your thoughts of your attention. There's a really easy way of doing this. And as I said to you a few minutes ago, in the course of this podcast, I am giving you the one surefire, scientifically validated way of getting over your obsessions and your addictions and getting out of your own way so that you can start changing your life and living your life the way you'd like to live it. Whether it be from a business point of view, a career point of view, a relationship point of view, I'll come back to that in a moment, a health and fitness point of view, a wealth point of view. Everything in your life hinges on your ability to turn up to your life 
in the here and now, to become present, to become a joy magnet. I mentioned relationships. Obviously, over the years, many of my clients have been corporate clients and they have come to me in the first instance from a business perspective. Without exception, after a few conversations, these people say to me, oh, other people are noticing, you know, a change in me. Somebody said to me after a few weeks, my wife thinks I'm a nicer person. I didn't ask for the details. Somebody else said to me, I noticed a change within 10 days, as did those around me. Somebody else said, my relationship has simply taken off. Somebody else said, I found a husband. Someone else said, I found a wife. In other words, when you stop thinking, I used the word a minute ago, you become attractive. You become attractive because you're present. That attraction is based on the fact that almost nobody else is present. So you're different. You have this aura about you. We could, we could spend a whole episode talking about auras, and maybe we will, because effectively what we're talking about is your energy field. Because what you've done is you have, in turning up to the here and now, unleashed your own energy. And people feel that, and you become attractive. So you can become a magnet to all the good things that you want in your life, or even better than that all the good things that are best for you in your life. It means no worries. It means no stress. It means that even when you are confronted by life's everyday challenges, you know what to do. You don't start saying to yourself, oh my God, it's a challenge and I turn a challenge into a crisis. Or you don't need to say to yourself, oh my God, I'm under pressure and I turn pressure into stress. All that vanishes when you stop using your mind in the normal way. All that vanishes when you turn up to the present moment by paying attention to the present moment. And as I said, this one simple surefire way, scientifically validated surefire way of doing this. You come to your senses. You have five of them. You actually have six because the inner you is your sixth sense. But but let's keep it simple for a minute. You have five of them. You see, feel, hear, smell, and taste. You develop your ability to pay attention to one or more of your senses in an artificial and mechanistic way. It's like going to the gym and hopping up on the treadmill. The exercise in question is called meditation. Meditation has been scientifically validated as being the only way the normal adult can turn on the parts of the brain that enable them focus in the present moment. But much more than that, it has been established that meditation reconfigures the brain in a way that enables me to turn up to the here and now in my life every day, come what may. And therefore I've turned off the supply of attention to my thoughts. I've starved those thoughts of my attention. They are no more because, again, neuroscience has recently established that the more I reconfigure my brain through meditation, eventually I get to the point where the thoughts that held me back, that body of thought that my automatic pilot was using to enable me make it through the day, that body of thought is silenced. It is precluded from coming into my conscious awareness. And my conscious awareness, undirtied, unpoisoned by that stuff, 
is simply present in the here and now, knowing what is going on and knowing what I need to do now to have the kind of life I would love to live. The human condition is a condition, an everyday condition, oppressed by thought. They're not even our thoughts. They are the thoughts that our parents gave us. They are the thoughts that our siblings or peers gave us. They are the thoughts that society gave us. They are the thought that our nation states gave us. They are the thoughts that our religious beliefs gave us. These are the thoughts that hold us back. They're not just the thoughts that hold us back from changing our lives. They are the thoughts that are holding this world in awe of this country against that country, this religion against that religion, my business against your business, my life against yours. Life isn't a competition. Life is simply something that you do when you turn up properly to the here and now. Thought clouds everything. Thought is the root of all evil, not just your personal, the personal evils in your little everyday life. Thought is at the root of every single problem that we are encountering in the world in which we live, or every single problem that we think we are encountering, because thought is the root of all evil. Stop it. Just stop it. Come to your senses. Start living your life in the here and now. And let it take you on an adventure that your thinking mind could never imagine. Meditate. Take control of your own state of mind. Restructure, reconfigure your brain. Take charge of your own personal evolution. Come to your senses. Live your life, your way, on your terms. And in doing so, in doing so through your presence and attractiveness, you'll enable those around you do the same too. Everyone's a winner. But it all starts with you and I taking personal responsibility for our own state of mind. And there's no time like the present. You need to start now. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.